Welcome to Before You Swipe. I'm Dr. Lauren. And I'm Dr. Chris. We're two sex educators and research nerds who love talking about sex and relationships. This has been an online dating podcast where we overanalyze profiles and read between the pickup lines. However, in this episode, we're switching it up to take a step back and consider how we make sense of ourselves and relationships. And when we say relationships, we include sexual, romantic, platonic, and more. So before we even open the apps, let's get into the beautiful mess of human connection. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us in this latest episode of Before You Swipe. I'm Dr. Chris. And I'm Dr. Lauren. We are continuing our conversation from last season on Andy Nordgren's nine principles of relationship anarchy and looking at ways that we can apply them in our everyday lives. So today we're going to talk about what compromise looks like in relationship anarchy. So we kind of talked about this or decided we wanted to, you know, bring this up because in a way it sort of sounds like anarchy and compromise could almost be sort of paradoxical and Lauren, I know you have some sort of thoughts on that that you yeah. would like to help. Sure. And and I just want to, again, apologize for people who are like deep scholars of anarchy or identify deeply with anarchy. We're probably going to butcher this a little, but we're going to do our best. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, one of the things that feels so important when when you hear people like colloquially make assumptions or like everyday people making assumptions about what anarchy means, it's lawlessness, it's um everyone in it for themselves it's kind of do whatever you want to make yourself happy and like no systems no organizing principles or anything else and that's when you talk to actual anarchists like that's not what it is it's that rather than some outside entity like a government dictating and where everyday people don't have a voice in what you're expected to do and how you do it and when you do it and so in anarchy and in relationship anarchy what we're really talking about is this idea that we are going to talk about our guiding principles together and we're going to conceptualize those together that the elevator isn't dictating what we do there that you know whatever norms we saw in our you know family of origin or people who are our caregivers we don't have to replicate those and so this idea of being really intentional about identifying making decisions and moving forward in practices so like this, challenging, yeah. like challenging scripts and challenging cultural norms kind of idea is like more the anarchy. Absolutely. Yeah. That's there. That's how I see it. Does that resonate for you? Yeah, though it does. Because I, I mean, I'm trying to think of like the first time I ever heard of like, you know, anarchy or things like that, like that. And I'm sure it was in some really stupid television show where you had like the punk kids like in like an episode of chips or in an episode <laughs> of i don't know i'm trying to think of like where there would have been like troublemakers or hoodlums and they were like the anarchists right because yep. they were against well you know ponch and john of the you know who were like you know law enforcement so like anarchy was seen as or like the punk rock scene of course but not but the way anarchy is sort of was culturally portrayed was just this right like a, a sort of anything goes as opposed to challenging the sort of societal norms which is a very different it's a very different concept and i would say even tied to the punk rock scene i think a lot of people look at that and assume it's just you know raging and you know rebellion but not without principles and so many um of the 
folks who are really deeply in the punk scene, in a lot of cases, they have really strong political stances and activist stances and issues mm -hmm. they're taking up and taking action on. And so, again, there's a lot of misunderstanding based on the outward appearance of, of people or things. Um, and it does take some time to actually listen to what folks are doing and asking questions to figure out like, oh, this is what that means, which is like the whole thing we're doing with relationship anarchy, slowing down, yeah. sharing more, inviting some questions that we've heard or thought through on our own um, and trying to explain those better. So Great. I thought it might be helpful to just revisit, like we have the um, a, a specific principle about this from Andy Norgren. I'm not gonna read the whole thing. It's the one called Customize Your Commitments. So you can go back and listen to that episode from season five. Um, but I wanted to pull a little quote out of that um, that aligns things a bit. So relationship anarchy is not about never committing to anything. It's about designing your own commitments with the people around you and freeing them from norms dictating that certain types of commitments are a requirement for love to be real. Or that some commitments like raising children or moving in together have to be driven by certain kinds of feelings. Start from scratch and be explicit about what kind of commitments you want to make with other people. Mm -hmm. I just, yeah, I love it. I love that. Yeah. And I mean, and that all sounds wonderful in the sense of like, you know, that you are working with, you know, starting from scratch and talking with a person in your life about the kinds of commitments you want to make. And, you know, that that look sounds really good on paper, but then in practice, right, that does become really challenging when two people who care about each other very much um, have different ideas about the commitments that they they want to make or the ways that they want the relationship to look. And so, you know, that's, I think, where the compromise piece comes in is like, and, and to sort of follow from that, um, the one book, uh, so far that has been written on relationship anarchy. Um, it is by Perez Cortez. And uh, in that book, he so says- what's it called? Will you oh, say the title called, of the book? Yeah, so it's Relationship Anarchy Occupy Intimacy. There it and is. So it was originally in Spanish. It got translated in English in 2023. So just a few months ago from when we are recording this. Uh, and he talks about like customizing your commitments and doing all that from a framework of self-management which um, he defines as uh, self-management being the quote-unquote result of shared reflection and decision-making not involving authority or coercion of any kind. And so again, that's like that sort of external force of mm -hmm. like what things should be or whatever. But when I heard the not coercion of any kind, that sort of made me think, okay, so what are those differences between coercion and compromise that you know relationships romantic sexual family <laughs> friendship like we're we're constantly navigating and negotiating compromises and yep. so that's where that's our framing of this I think. yeah and i think when we talk about compromise sometimes we're also talking about boundaries right that's another term that's fairly big in public conversation these days um particularly yeah. in folks who are really into like the whole self-help world <laughs> yeah um, and I, there, there's these ways that we can lose track of this being, um, I like that language of shared reflection and decision-making. Like there's certain things that it makes sense you might have a hard boundary on. So for example, I have a child, so I'm going to have some hard boundaries around 
how people relate to my kid or how I spend time, you know, how I spend time with others relative to the time I spend just with my child, right? Like those are going to be hard boundaries that if someone doesn't feel good in those, then that's a mismatch for us. And that's okay. It's okay for me to have that given it's a parenting situation. But if it's something like where we, where we could be more flexible, sometimes people will say, well, I have a boundary on that. And it's actually something sort of silly, right? Like, oh, I, you know, want to be able to choose where I eat on Thursdays, right? Like, really, you need to be that rigid and that strict. And you're going to say that I'm crossing a boundary if I suggest something different. Mm-hmm. Um, or like, I had a friend once who the I mean, it was a conflict. So it's tough. And it's fair for people to have different feelings about this. But I was in the I was we were communicating over text, which is a terrible idea when you're in conflict. (laughs) Um, And they were like, I'm setting this thread down. And I said, "Okay, I'm going to get the rest of my ideas out and you can revisit them when you're ready. And they said I crossed their boundary by just sending the messages. And it's like, you're an adult. You don't have to open this text thread. You literally just said you're walking away from it, turning off notifications. And I'm just like you did that as I was mid thought, you know, like where you're sending repeated texts where you're like clarifying your idea and i was like that that's not crossing your boundary don't look at them (laughs) yeah and so to me that's something where someone's trying to wield boundaries and make someone else into a bad guy like you've done something wrong and you're bad Mm -hmm. and then that becomes a power thing in negotiating how we're going to work together on on resolving the conflict or whatever yeah so i mean in that yeah that respect it's again, because it was in writing, like I can see somebody like the, 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 the sort of parallel is if you're in a face-to-face conversation, you can quote unquote, keep talking, but the person can walk away. So like Absolutely. in the same way they can walk away from the phone yep. while you're still saying things. I mean, that might, you know, be a little rude, but if the person says, I'm going to walk away now and you keep talking, they're not hearing you because they left. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and so you have to repeat yourself. Well, and I I think, right, so these are sensitive examples, right, because folks have really, depending on your attachment stuff, reference back to Polysecure as a book worth reading for folks. Um, Depending on what helps you feel like your attachment is safe with someone, you might have really different needs. The idea of someone just being like, I'm walking away could feel really threatening in a different way than for someone who's very securely attached. And so we can, of course, when calm, make requests about how we communicate those things, like saying, you know, uh, some of the recommendations are like, put a time limit on it, I'm taking a 30 minute break and, you know, I need 30 minutes or I need a day, but so the person knows you do plan to come back, right? So those are really reasonable things to talk through to show tenderness and care and to do your best then if conflict does come up like that to me is one of these pieces of like compromise and making sense of how we work together and then there's folks who will like again this idea of weaponizing a boundary like instead of following their request explicitly and intentionally violating it so giving you the silent treatment even when you've said like I would appreciate it if we could work together this way. And then someone all of a sudden throws in um, a practice that you've said is like devastating to you, right? Um, that's a point where I'm like, oh, that's, this is a bit of like power play that doesn't feel consensual or good. Yeah. Yeah. And it also reminds me of um, John Gottman's work 
on, you know, what are the types of things that are really big red flags in relationships. And one of them is stonewalling, which is what yes. you're sort of saying is like, if you just shut down with no invitation to continue later and yep. do that as a continual pattern, that that's not great for, uh, you know, sustaining a relationship. Yeah. So that's there. That's different than saying like, you know, the compromise being, I can't talk about it right now. I need insert amount of time here. Yep. And then you can engage one of your other coping strategies when you're in conflict, whether it's, you know, taking a walk or counting to 10 or watching kitten videos, whatever it is that you can do to diffuse your own um, dysregulation or may not even be dysregulation, but just heightened yeah. Um, emotions to like, you know, get back to a good baseline where you can have, you know, continue a conversation. So differentiating between those kinds of things between just absolutely shutting someone down and needing to temporarily take a break for your own sense of safety or and so it's, you know, right now our first, like, we sort of went down a rabbit hole starting yeah. off from a place of like, this is how we can actually approach compromise related to conflict, which yeah. is kind of interesting, but that's not the only time that we're compromising, right? So things folks, and I reference time um, and how we spend time together and um, figuring out what feels right sized for, for each person individually, but then also together. Um, what are some other examples of things people tend to compromise around or, or negotiate around? Yeah, well, I mean, there's, I mean, one of the things is we can look at compromise and some of the things we've been alluding to are like big C compromise versus little C. So like little C compromises might be like, okay, you're craving sushi big time. Um, that wasn't really where I was thinking I wanted to have dinner tonight, but let's, you know, I'm happy to do sushi tonight if I can choose the dinner tomorrow. Or can we go to the sushi place that also has other, mm -hmm. you know, other Japanese cuisine, so therefore I can have, you know, teriyaki or whatever, or karaji or some kind of bento box, you know, like that kind of idea of like, that's where like a compromise can come in. And those are sort of those little C things that, you know, um, you know, over time, it's not like keeping score specifically. And hopefully when you're with a person, the sort of compromising goes back and forth, just sort of in a fluid as a, a good friend of mine says, like it quote unquote, all comes out in the wash, yeah. right? Like, it's just like, it's, it's not a big deal. No one's feeling like they're the ones that get, you know, ha are having to bend all the time and things like that. And then you have your big C's, which are you know, things that like you're talking about with time with your child in this sense of like, that's a big C that goes back to, you know, finding your own relationship values. And if mm -hmm. you are looking at things and finding yourself needing to compromise constantly on the big C items, then that might be something that's a little bit more uh, worthy of diving in deeper, both in self-reflection and with the person to see if that's you know, if that's a, a relationship, the way the relationship is currently structured it is good for both of you. Right? Yeah. And it reminds me of our, from this season, uh, the episode on infidelity. And we both shared, or maybe just you did, but I can also share now, 
um, having experiences where someone makes you choose between time with them and time with friends or bans you from seeing certain people. I have a really vivid memory of a relationship while I was in college and the person, um, it was a long-term relationship, but they'd never been to my college and I was so excited for them to meet my friends and there was a whole plan around meeting my friends. And their response was, I came here to see you, not meet your friends. Um, you can you can go if you want and I'll stay here. And, you know, my friends had planned to cook a dinner. Like it was a whole big oh, wow. thing. Yeah, like, and, and they had known that that was coming, but in the moment it was like a complete shutdown and choose. And I, you know, looking back, I'm like, go to your friends. <laughs> <laughs> that is not what young Lauren did. Young Lauren, yeah. young Lauren, pre-doctor, <laughs> pre-doctor Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> Um, totally said, okay, you know, well, of course I want to be with you. I went into total people pleaser mode and also felt afraid of them being mad at me or feeling disrespected. And rather than seeing that that was actually a moment of disrespect to me and, and keep yeah. in mind, I had flown to their campus and met all like the first person I met was one of their friends. I spent loads of time with their friends. So again, this is that notion of equity or equality, like not that we're keeping score, but that we each have the same kinds of opportunities in a relationship if they're important to us. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's an opportunity where, or that's a compromise that was like not healthy, shouldn't have really made it. And it didn't, you know, unsurprisingly, that idea of sacrificing friendships for this person was not a one-time thing. And so yeah. for, for me, that my social world got slower and or smaller and smaller. And um, so for, for me now, when I think about approaching a new tie or my existing ties, I'm always reflecting on where is the space for my queer platonic life partners, the other stars in my constellation, how am I honoring those connections and protecting time and not losing track of them? Honestly, regardless of what the other person is asking for, like I have to first start of, am I doing that? Um, or, or am I focusing too much on one or more than is aligned with my values on one person? Yeah. So. Yeah. So there is that case where you can, for lack of a better term, over compromise like on your side and definitely people who are socialized more female, I think, you know, have that sort of people pleasing and things like that, that that gets really ingrained into them in terms of what's important is always maintain the relationship or always keep the peace or, or things like that. And it's, and it's tough because it, it's, it's so, I guess, I mean, ingrained, I can't think of another word for it, but like, it's just, it's so established. And, yeah. and so those habits are hard, really hard to break. And so in the example with me, where I was in a relationship where somebody, you know, kept having like sort of like asking me to change a lot um, and, you know, cut off certain relationships. And this was just very unhealthy. Um, I for sure was like in that, you know, you could say it's over compromising. You could call it, you know, a form of abuse. You can whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason it, it was weird to capture was because I felt like I was the proverbial lobster in the boiling pot. Right. Because it was just like it wasn't all of a sudden the carpet was yanked out from under me. It was more the idea of like little things kept, you know, getting sort of challenged, if you will. And I just was like, oh, I guess I don't need to do that. I guess I don't need to do that in spirit of keeping this relationship um, alive. And when I, so I was at, you know, I was at, I was seeing a therapist at that time 
over it was interesting something totally different i didn't think that the relationship was an issue i was i was going for different reasons and i was chatting about some of these quote unquote compromises i was making and my therapist finally was like so when do you think you're actually going to change enough so that this person will be happy and it was just like a fucking smack in the face i was like oh damn it you are up so right i guess this is why you know you you're a professional <laughs> like this is like never right the answer is probably never and yeah. so that's sort of that that was just such a defining moment in my life in terms of how I navigate relationships, in terms of like really being able to see what I, what was happening with me and to me from an outsider's perspective was with that one simple question that really helps me sort of discern between when is it sort of compromise and when is it sacrifice? Yeah. Right. And that, I think that, yeah, that really hit home for me. And it's, it's really helped me guide in a lot of other ways as I, you know, as I just talk to people about relationships I'm in and then witness people in other types of relationships um, that we talk about. And I think building on this idea that we can, and I, you know, we've talked so much about these relationships, but I, of course, I'm so sorry that you went through that because it's awful and you didn't deserve that. I think there's a way we need to build our skills for, again, as we've already talked about, like really having our core values and our core expectations and the core things, I hate to say like protect, but in a way protecting them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you raise the, that for folks socialized as women in this world, um, we're not that far from the period where it was like your whole purpose was to marry a man, take care of him, make sure he was happy. You know, like we're not that far away from time when, when from a time when women weren't allowed to work, um, yeah. work outside the home. I should say they were definitely working, um, <laughs> but you know, unpaid yeah. labor and all that great stuff. Um, and so, you know, like we're, it's, it's such an interesting thing. Like relationship anarchy is res- resisting so many different kinds of norms. And these, many of them are totally intergenerational. They're tied to these really big patterns and practices within societies. Like we've referenced patriarchy and stuff in the past. And it's, it's a wild thing to give yourself that permission to say, I'm gonna figure out what are the reasonable asks that someone can make of me. What is my line in the sand or, and, and again, that sounds so combative. I wish I had better language for this because I, I don't want it to be combative. It's just clarity. So there's the pieces inside of you that you're like, yeah, no, I want to be really careful around this. Like I feel vulnerable yeah. around this, or I know I'm prone to sacrificing this part of myself and I need to prioritize it for some reason. But again, this has to be mutual, right? So if I have things I'm protecting in myself, Um, or want to give more space to heal or whatever um, because of my history, like so does the other person probably. And there has to be for both of those things. And again, you know, we both have examples of pretty abusive relationships that were destructive for us for way too long. Um, And just having a mismatch in what someone's asking for or what you're offering or whatever, that mismatch doesn't mean it's an unhealthy or abusive situation. It's about what you do when those things arise. And if, yeah, if one person's like twisting and changing only, that's a problem. It also might be the, the case that you realize, huh, we should really transition what this relation looks relationship looks like because 
there are things that just are misaligned and it's okay, right? Because we're not looking for the one anymore. <laughs> we're yeah. not trying to force someone to fit some particular cookie cutter shape for our lives. So there's, again, figuring out what are the things that make sense to change or, or um, compromise on or, or um, what are the reasonable asks and what are the things that would sort of destabilize who you are, or how you want to live in the world. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting when you're talking about the, like, as you know, if you are, if someone's making an ask of you that they may, you know, hopefully they're doing the same thing. I think where, and in this, in this example, again, though, it's like this person didn't really have like friendships outside of the relationship. So they yeah. either didn't need them or didn't have them or didn't want them. So, yep. so uh, to me, it really just actually more comes back to like, what were my relationship values? And if I had, you know, known of, um, relationship anarchy, although I actually don't think it quote unquote existed yet. Like it hadn't been penned. It hadn't been anything. So this is pre yep. pre relationship anarchy time. So whatever, BRA, whatever, like <laughs> AD or whatever, but like, you know, like this idea, you know, if, if someone had said, well, what is really important to you in your life, it would have been, you know, and it still is right. It's like these deep friendship ties are exceedingly important to me. Yep. And like that, you know, that was one of those things where I was over compromising in an unhealthy way. And it, it wasn't like this other person was having all these deep friendship ties with other people. You know what I mean? So it can be a sort of, are we being equal here? But it doesn't necessarily have to be. It's more adhering to your relationship values. I also hearken back to a couple that I mentioned before in a, in a previous episode about how one person is ethically non-monogamous in the relationship and the other person is tied monogamously to that person but yeah. by choice, right? Yeah. Like they want it, they, they are like, my life is such that I am fine being sexually and romantically attached to one person who is sexually and romantically attached to more than just me. And it totally works. And it's, but, and it was, it was talked about. So there's not really compromise there um, and it's, it's open discussion. I was going to say it, it again, this is about, yeah, cause compromise is a funny word. And I, I, I know yeah. we chose to use it for this, but again, <laughs> if, we, if we go back to the idea of self-management and that shared reflection decision-making, maybe the person who's monogamous and that would typically have looked for a monogamous or assumed, honestly, because it's, we're in a monogamous culture, like maybe there's a condition or, or somebody's experience where they've always been with monogamous people, but then learning that they've now connected with someone who is ethically non-monogamous, it's like, yeah, that's fine. So it's not even a compromise. It's like, oh, I might've imagined my life going one way and just that openness to experience other things. And regardless of whether that's true for these specific people or not, like that's still like deci shared decision-making, shared conversation about who we are in the world and how we align, how we fit. And it doesn't have to be the same for both people. And whether that's about ethical non-monogamy or, you know, whether like who's super physically active or likes to go hiking and camping and the other person prefers to be in the city, like whatever, there's all sorts of things where we can have different preferences. And if we're not molding each other, if we're not forcing each other, thinking we have to be like a perfectly matched set, which I think is part of what this is about is creating that freedom around what you do together, how you do things together, what your expectations are, where it doesn't have to be exactly identical. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and also, right. And so the compromises, right, back to those little C's, like maybe there is a time when a person you might be nesting with, living together with or something says, oh, I'd love it if you stayed home tonight so we can do X together or something like that. And you, you know, you think about it and you're like, yeah, that'll work for me today. Like that's, you know, this person, it would mean a lot to them. I want to, you know, support them in these ways. So that makes sense. So I'm not going to go out to karaoke tonight. And if that then became a regular weekly thing where it's just like, oh, how about this time, this time, then it's like noticing the pattern and being like, hey, it sounds like every Thursday you conveniently ask me to stay home when that's normally my karaoke night. Can we, you know, can we talk about what's, you know, what's really, you know, potentially going on here? And maybe it's subconscious or maybe it is coincidental. Yeah. Or it's not, right? But that's where we, we need to just sort of ask about the pattern and see if there's something larger underneath that's that's shaking the relationship values, like the big C, or is it just a bunch of little C's adding up in, a, in an unintentional way? Yeah. And I think, again, this is where, you know, every every person, of course, approaches relationships and things like that differently. But in relationship anarchy, there is a, this degree of communication that is so necessary and a degree of self-awareness, right? Like in that example, I suppose you could still come up with a good solution in that example without someone being able to talk through like what might be underlying what's happening if it is um, a subconscious pattern or whatever. Yeah. So maybe, maybe this isn't relevant in that moment, but I, I just, it's, it's not always easy to find people who have that level of self-awareness or ability to communicate. And I think it's really hard. I mean, we've talked about the level of communication we have with different people and to really go deep, I guess, and not every tie Mm -hmm. in relationship anarchy needs to go deep, but to really go deep where you are making these kinds of meaningful commitments and adjustments and coordination, like, you have to be able to talk and you have to have some self-awareness because otherwise it's so easy to slip into manipulation, right? Like there's such a cultural norm of like, I don't know, all those stupid rom-coms where it's like how to trick a man in 10 days or less or whatever. Like there's so much garbage about tricking people or getting someone to do what you want rather than it being these like honest, (laughs) self-aware conversations. I just, yeah. I think that's a huge, huge piece of this. Um, oh, for sure. Relationship anarchy. I don't think we've ever said relationship anarchy is easy. Yeah. That is not the motto of relationship anarchy. It's not like relationship anarchy. It's easy. Give it a whirl. Right. Like it's not, that's not what it's, that's not its state motto. Right. Like, so <laughs> it's like, it's not, you know, it does take effort. And again, it's not an overnight it's not an overnight whatever. And also, I, I also don't want to sit there and say, I'm practicing it, quote unquote, you know, perfectly or whatever. Like, it's it's just not that. It's just, it's just like, how do these principles fit into my life and how are they helping me shape myself and grow and how are they helping me build stronger connections with people, I think is really what draws me to it so much. It's like stronger and healthier, right? Because we yeah. can create really strong relationships that were not our whole self in them. And certainly yes. people can choose not to bring their whole selves into some relationships. That's a okay, right? As long as yeah. it's conscious. But yeah. if we've gotten to a place that the only reason this tie is strong is because you've either overemphasized a part of you or de-emphasized another, like that's 
a, it might be a strong tie, but is it an honest tie or is it um, an authentic tie? And in some cases, the answer might be yes, but the mm -hmm. invitation of relationship anarchy is to really be conscious and intentional about how you're showing up and why you're showing up in the ways that you are. And I really love, you know, the referencing patterns feels absolutely crucial because I, we, I think there's ways when we were talking through the principles that it might have seemed like you're going to have a guidebook and it's all going to be clear and you're going to have talked through these different pieces of what a relationship is and then you'll be ready to just follow your guidebook <laughs> and that's not it right like we're going to encounter things and we might not even realize it's happening but it's noticing the patterns, having those moments to reflect and not just be on autopilot or rushing decisions or whatever, like really, you know, slowing down, letting go of the culture of busy for at least a little bit to allow you to reflect on, um, on how things are going and just for you, right? And then inviting it, the other person to do, or people to do the same, like having those check-ins. Um, because it's not not you're not going to think of everything that might come up in a relationship and be able to negotiate around it and come to this very thoughtful self-managed <laughs> shared yeah. decision, right like it's going to be a, a continuously evolving practice um yeah, yeah. man i it's it's so interesting because i you know both of us have pretty crappy histories with this um in so many different domains of our families so i i definitely i i sense the like i feel a sense of urgency inside of me of like i really want people to yeah. be secure in their relationships and be clear in their values and honor those um because that's what everyone deserves yeah in all their relationships yeah yeah <sighs> all right once again that was a lot but <laughs> I hope people got a few nuggets uh, of wisdom or lack of wisdom that they can yeah. use for their <laughs> to move forward in their lives and, and be a little bit happier. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks for listening to Before You Swipe. If you want to send us your thoughts on sexual, romantic, and or platonic relationships, please email us at beforeyouswipe at gmail.com. That's the letter B, the number four, the letter U, swipe at gmail. Or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Before You Swipe. Thanks to Hamid Khalid 786 on Pixabay for our fabulous funky beats.